you go into fasting, essentially all you're doing is just starving yourself. So you need to understand prayer. You need to understand how to communicate and talk with God to step into something like this. These two, the, the, these are two powerful weapons that work together. You can't have one without the other. Um, prayer, you need to communicate with God. Fasting, we're going to see it's, it's, um, it's, uh, subtraction of ourself so that we can have a multiplication of God and His Holy Spirit. And the best example, I'm going to say this a couple of times throughout the lesson, the best example I've ever heard of fasting is, it's like um, Drano for our spirit. It cleans out all the junk so that there can be a smoother deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, in uh, page 99 of the notes, uh, the, the author of the curriculum, he states, Fasting is one of the most important and effective forces that we can employ against the enemy. Uh, fasting solidifies a Christian's life into one of productivity and fruitfulness. If you look at someone who prays and they're fasting, you will see not only, it's, it's not just about um, serving in different departments in the church or, or volunteering your time. The fruit and the productivity of, of reaching people, of encouraging people, speaking life into them. When somebody is down, you're going to them to help them because the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and telling you where to go and what to say. You see that productivity because you have released yourself and you allow the Holy Spirit to deposit into you. So that's what it means is when, when um, fasting is a powerful and effective force that we can have um, as a Christian because it does that. A goal of this lesson is to point out the importance, the effectiveness, and the necessity of fasting. Biblical examples of fasting, uh, yeah, biblical examples emphasizes the need for us to make fasting a practice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we can accomplish things through fasting that nothing else can will accomplish. So, no matter how much you try and put your own personal efforts, you will only be limited because it only comes through your prayer and your fasting. Your fasting. <clears throat> we can ha we can have we can win victories. We can receive power. We can obtain deliverance through prayer and fasting. When we do that, we are, like I said, we're re releasing the things that are, that are hindering our spiritual walk. So that brings us the deliverance to, to obtain the power and receive the victory in our situation, in a struggle, um, in our neighbor's life. Uh, when we fast, we, can, we also intercede for others. So this is what comes about when we fast. We, um, we receive those things. We win the victories. We receive power, obtain deliverance. Fasting is, import, is an important means of helping us to temper our, our physical desires. And uh, simultane simultaneously, we will receive spiritual power when we fast. So, like it says in the notes, it, it helps us to temper our physical desires because we are flesh. Unfortunately, that's something that we have to deal with. Um, Adam and Eve, they, they committed the sin. So now until Jesus takes the church, we're, we're um, objected to sin. We're objected to this nature of the human flesh. We're born into sin. 
So our, our sinful nature is going to cause us, our, our physical desires is going to cause us things that are contrary to God's word. So, for example, when we fast, we, uh, we receive spiritual power, and we're able to, like the, like the note says, we're able to control those physical desires. Um, some things that came to mind, personal things that I have dealt with in the past, some things that I still deal with at times, that prayer and fasting helps, um, is anger. Pastor went into to detail about that on Sunday. If you, if you weren't here, I suggest you go back and listen to the messages of past Sunday. Anger is, is the trunk of many deeper branches, many uh, other branches that spread out. Violence comes from it. Um, um, so many other things. <clears throat> Anger is a deeper issue. And if we don't allow our, if we don't, um, put it in our hearts, in our minds, like Pastor was saying before I came up here, we don't have the desire and we don't act on it and we don't uh, do everything we can to fulfill that desire of fasting, that anger is going to remain the controller of us. It will be the master of us and we will be the slave to anger. And the other thing that I put was uh, taming our tongue. The Bible says, uh, talks about taming our tongue. It talks about controlling our tongue. And it even says that a foolish person is made wise when they uh, bride their tongue, when they keep their, their words be, uh, back. And, and that is a big issue. There's times where, again, anger, another, here, taming our tongue is another branch of anger. At times there will be things that we want to say out of anger that is just out of line, that's going to uh, discourage somebody, that's going to uh, bring them down. Uh, there's things that are out of line that's just going to create a, a worse situation. Or it could not even, it, it could be aside from anger, just things that are just not the wisest thing to say in a situation or the things that are immature or just not appropriate, whatever the, the case may be. When we pray and we fast, we allow the Holy Spirit to be greater in our spiritual life rather than in our flesh so we can understand the Spirit's going to say, nope, do not say that. That is not a wise thing to say. It's not fitting for the moment. It's not fitting for the time. Um, <clears throat> and another thing, speaking of that, just came to mind is taming our tongue. There's times where people will try to over-spiritualize things when they are not right in the Spirit. They, they have not prayed. They have not fasted. They're not equipped. In the spirit correctly where they try to say, oh, this, the Lord told me to say this. Oh, the Lord told me to say that. But it's not even God that's talking. It's actually your flesh. So that's what fasting does. It helps us to understand, engage, is this God or is this myself? Okay, I need to tame my tongue. I need to not say this. And then another thing that came to mind, and this was something that um, I'm so got, I'm glad that God revealed this to me, is lust. A big thing is lust. A big misconception that God has taught me um, years ago is lust has been uh, perceived in the church as a, um, a sexual immorality. Um, lust is not that. What God has shown me is sec uh, lust is a desire or a craving of things that are not of God or His will. Amen. It could be anything that falls into that category. So whatever comes to mind, um, that's what lust could be, something that pulls you away from God. Because if you look at what happened in the garden, it was nothing of sexual morality that, that caused Eve to fall into the lust of the fruit. It said it looked pleasing to her eye. It was lust of the flesh. She craved something that God said not to do. It was not part of his will. So that's where uh, prayer and fasting, the combination, it controls, it tames those lustful desires, the things, the, the desire or the craving of things that are not of God or His will. And another thing is envy. 
Envy is a big thing. I think it kills people in the church. Is envy, um, what, what God has shown me, envy is um, being ungrateful for what God has blessed you with and wanting what your neighbor has. So that is something that God has taught me um, that is, is um, tremendous. I think the church needs to, to, to take, and um, if that's something you're dealing with, apply that into your fasting. Ask God to, to, to have the Holy Spirit gain control over that, to remove it from your life, because that will kill a, a, a Christian. That will kill your walk, because like the beginning I said of the definition is being ungrateful for what God has blessed you with. What your neighbor has, either that's not for you because you can't handle that. That's just not part of your your DNA. You're not you're not built for that yet or at all. Or maybe what your neighbor has is on his way for you. And Pastor used a really awesome example years ago. I remember, and I'll never forget this. Is um, it, it's almost like mail. We have our neighbor who gets their mail in their box, but the mail is on its way to our house. And at the time, sometimes when we envy people, we're too busy focusing on they got their mail before I did, but yet God is on his way a couple houses to you. So that's another thing is envy. Through fasting, we're able to suppress that, remove that. And the other thing is lack of faith. Through fasting, it will help build up our faith. There's some people where we say, I believe in God, I trust in God, but deep in your heart, you still have doubt in, in the situation of whatever the, the case may be. <clears throat> and you're still trying to plot of, okay, I believe in you, God, I trust in you, God, but let me go over here and try to plan this out. Let me sort this out just in case this doesn't work out how I'm believing it will happen. So those types of situations, the lack of faith, and then the list can go on, but I just wanted to give you those few things. And then something to add is um, when, when about fasting is um, some may say about fasting that it's not necessary um, because Jesus' disciples didn't fast. So because they didn't fast, there's, <coughs> excuse me. There's no need for us to fast. That was an Old Testament thing. So it's not necessary for us to fast. But little do you know, if you read your Bible, you'll see Paul fasts. A lot of people in the New Testament, they fast. And that's why Jesus is discussing fasting. But in Matthew uh, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17, that's where Jesus is explaining to John, uh, uh, John the Baptist, his disciples, why they were not fasting yet. And the two reasons they were not fasting yet... That's the key word, fasting yet, when Jesus was there. Um, the point number one is, and th- just so you're aware, this is not on the notes. These are my own little personal notes I'm adding to it. <clears throat> so point number one, why they were not fasting yet, is fasting was not necessary just yet because the source of power and peace was literally walking with them. Yeah. Jesus Christ was walking with them. So the power that Jesus carried was able to transfer to the disciples. He was able to be there with them and physically help them out, give them the peace, the power, whatever the the situation they needed. He was there. The source was there. And the second point is the new way of fasting was not going to be effective in the old way of things, in the dispensation of the law. Jesus needed to die, he needed to be buried, he needed to be resurrected, he needed to ascend into heaven uh, for the new dispensation to begin and the Holy Spirit to come. Then, the kind of fasting Jesus was teaching in this opening text, what he taught 
would be uh, fully effective because um, they would draw power uh, and peace from the Holy Spirit instead of Jesus the person. Jesus said, no one can put uh, new wines into old skins. Uh, that, that's also explained in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse uh, 14 through 17. Jesus is telling, explaining that, and he uses that analogy. We can't put uh, new fresh wine into an old wine skin because the, <clears throat> the wine is going to start to, to uh, break through, and it's going to spill out. It's going to tear open. It's just going to be a mess. It's not going to work. So this is why Jesus says, Wait until I'm gone. Then this way I'm teaching is going to be effective. You're going to be able to do it. It's going to be a different kind of fast. Yeah. So in page 100 of the notes, um, the author of this curriculum, he says, Jesus had to go away for the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus had to go away before the Holy Ghost could come into their lives. Such powerful experience could not be contained in the old garment or the old wineskins. And that's um, quoted in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, the, the old wineskins. So this, like I said, um, the, that type of fasting, that power, the, the, um, the source of uh, that type of fasting would not be effective until Jesus left. So they had to wait for that. And then um, in the notes, it says the Holy, the Holy Ghost needed to, um, the Holy Ghost needed renewed and gen- regenerated vessels while we waited we awaited the return of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. We must keep our, excuse me, we must keep our vessels and lamps filled. Uh, we do so through spiritual discipline of which fasting is part of. So we need to keep ourselves spiritually disciplined, denying our flesh, picking up our cross, like Jesus says, and that's where fasting also partakes in picking up our cross, denying our flesh, crucifying uh, our desires, our needs, or our wants. I should say our desires and our wants um, through spiritual fasting. That's how we discipline ourselves. And um, in the notes, it, it talks about uh, fasting through the ages. It goes through four different uh, types of fasting. So from the, the beginning of the Old Testament, from Genesis up until uh, John uh, the Baptist, there was a, a certain kind of fast. So fasting was common practice through the Old Testament for this reason, um, to, to deny ourselves, to be connected with God. So, and then uh, John's disciples couldn't understand why Jesus' uh, disciples didn't um, fast. Because Jesus was prepping the disciples, the three years it was training, they were in school for something Jesus was getting them ready for, which was uh, during the time of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the bridegroom, was present with his disciples. He was teaching them, training them. Therefore, it was not necessary for them to fast um, at the time. This was only a short time that they were doing it. Just for three, three years when Jesus was training them, they were not fasting because he was prepping them and uh, showing them how it's going to be. And then uh, the church age, which is right now, today. So we fast um, uh, because the, bride, the bridegroom is gone. So we need a source, which is the Holy Spirit. So we are commanded to fast in the New Testament so we can, um, like I said, like the Drano, we get use fasting as a spiritual cleansing of all the junk that's been sitting in us <clears throat> so that the Holy Spirit can be deposited into us and uh, keep us spiritually strong, uh, sound mind, peace, um, just everything we need until Christ comes. And then in the millennium, 
um, yes, the millennium, the bridegroom will be with us, so we will not, uh, fa- we will not have to fast because we're going to be with Jesus. And then in page 101 of the notes, it gets into fasting. So what is fasting? Just breaking down the definition. So we got three different definitions with a very, um, to the core, very same um, concept. So it, it gets into Webster's Dictionary's definition of fasting. <clears throat> and it means to keep from eating all or certain foods, to eat very little or nothing. <clears throat> so that's the Webster's Dictionary. And then... Um, the definition, the second definition, it comes from the Hebrew word, uh, forgive me, I might butcher this word, um, to, to, to swam, swam, I think that's, to swam, I think that's how you say it, which means to cover your mouth, to fast, to, to reject anything from coming into your mouth, pretty much what it means. And then the Greek word, again, I, I, hopefully I don't butcher this one, it's nes, nestis, nestis, I think that's how you say it, which means, uh, not eating, to abstain from food, to deny your body from food. So again, three different sources, uh, three different words, but yet having the same root. So scriptural fasting is just uh, just so we're aware. Scriptural fasting is not this. Scriptural fasting is not um, as it, it's not a diet process. Uh, we we don't do it just to lose weight. We don't do it for health benefits which there are some, but we don't do it as a diet. And fasting, spiritual fasting, it's not missing a meal or two because we were too late uh, to, to, to make a meal or rushed to eat or anything. The, because we're short on time, that is not considered fasting because we didn't wake up early to make breakfast or we weren't able to pack a lunch or go buy lunch. That is not fasting. That's just um, not enough time on your hands, so you weren't able to grab a meal, pretty much what it is. And the other thing of what spiritual fasting is not, it's, it's not uh, being without food because you are too poor to buy it. So again, that's not fasting, that's just your situation, that's the circumstance. And then the fourth one is, it's not a hunger strike to get something to do something. No, it's not a hunger strike to get someone to do something. So you're not, spiritually, it's not fasting like, you know what, God, I'm just not going to eat anything. I'm going to starve myself until you answer my prayer, until you do what I want. That just sounds like um, a, a child throwing a fit, essentially, is what it is. So that's not what it, spiritual fasting is. And then the last one, it says, it's not uh, an act uh, to obtain physical health. Like I said, in the first point, it's, even though there is health benefits, it's that's not the, the purpose of it. That's just what comes it. That's just a benefit, a side benefit of it. So in short, fasting is doing without food in order to obtain spiritual discipline, strength, answers, and direction for ourselves and for others. It must be done unto God. Not unto ourselves, not for personal gain, not for personal growth, but unto God. And we see this, an example of this, God questioning the people's motive for fasting. It's found in um, Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5, 4 and 5, I'm sorry. Um, so it says, the Lord, of he- uh, the Lord of heaven's armies sent this, sent this message and relied, and replies, excuse me, <clears throat> So verse 5, it says, Say to all your people and your priests, 
during these 70 years of exile when you fasted and mourned in the summer and in the early autumn, it was, was it really for me that you were fasting? So he's asking him, those times, those 70 years that you were exiled, when um, all the times that you were fasting, were you really doing it for me? Or was it for your own personal gain? Like, God, just get us out of here. It's horrible in this place. So that's an example of God questioning our motives. We got to check ourselves. Are we actually fasting for spiritual reasons or are we fasting for personal motives? So types of fasting. There's three different types of fasting. And and I like the way... (coughs) Excuse me. I like the way the author of this uh, curriculum, he explains the three different types of fasting. So there's partial fasting. So partial fasting is, is just to, um, uh, we restrict some aspects of our diet rather uh, than totally abstaining from food. So we can um, say, we'll, we'll say, I'm not going to eat breakfast or lunch, but I'll have dinner. So it's, it's, it's a small fast. It's not a whole day fast, and it's not an extensive fast. So a normal fast is um, what, what people, most people do today, and, and that is a fast abstain from... Uh, from food, but drink water. So we'll have no food, but we will drink some water just to keep ourselves hydrated, keep ourselves going throughout the day. So partial fast is a short window, and then a normal fast is nothing, eating nothing but drinking water, and then an absolute fast is what Jesus did and several other people in the Bible. Absolute fast is uh, to have no food and no water, um, and then the, the, the author of this curriculum, he also put in the notes, for health safety, we should not um, go, go without water for more than, uh, says, three days, just for health benefits. I mean, if you can go 40 days without um, food and water, like some of these people, praise God, but just for health benefits, he's throwing that out there. Be careful, don't go three days without water. And then he, he um, so these three types of fast. He got it from a, a guy, an author named Arthur uh, Wallace. He identifies the he identifies these three types of fasting in a book he wrote called God's Chosen Fast. Um, and consistent fasting will have a deep spiritual impact on our lives. If possible, every saint should practice either normal or absolute fasting. And there are some cases. Um, um, where people have health conditions such as diabetes or whatever may cause you to, to not be able to do um, a normal fast or absolute fast. If that's the case, you have difficulty, um, then, you, then a partial fast is the, uh, the best thing to do as well. Um, yeah, so the author just uh, of the curriculum just gets into that, those details. Um, so he recommends either doing a normal fast if your health allows you to or an absolute fast. If you have health issues, um, go ahead and do the partial fast. And again, um, in the end, uh, we must always remember God honors <clears throat> every effort we make in denying our flesh, whether through a partial fast, normal fast, or even an absolute fast. Um, so it doesn't matter what you do. Don't don't look at your neighbor and say um, they they've gone four or five days, twenty one days without eating anything, and all they're doing is drinking water. I wish I can do that, and you start um, kind of being envious of them. But your health does not allow you to. Uh, 
Just, just do whatever your health allows you to because God will honor that sacrifice. God honors your heart. Whatever you, uh, you are desiring to do to go into this fast and say, I'm going to, my health allows me to do this because of whatever reason, just, just do it because God will honor the, that sacrifice that you make. And, uh, there's two methods of, of, um, yeah, two methods we can accomplish fasting. So there's two ways that, that prompts us or pushes us to fasting. The first one is, um, it's in, you'll, you'll see this in page 101 and page 102. These two uh, ways of fasting is by inspiration. So the Holy Spirit will prompt us to, uh, to fast. Whether it's something, uh, situation in our life, the Holy Spirit is saying fast for this because I'm trying to do a work and I need you to either be prepared or I need you to, to see what, uh, what, what we're trying to do or hear what I'm trying to say. But the Holy Spirit will push us into a fast or even, uh, to intercede for someone. The Holy Spirit will prompt us to uh, go into a fast for someone else. And then the second type of um, method or what pushes us to fast is commitment, dedication to God's cause. So he, he commands us to, to fast. So that should also be another reason we practice fasting. <clears throat> and then in page 102, we're going to see examples of fasting of people that did fast. And I'm only going to go through uh, seven just because there's 13 of them. I don't want to uh, take too long. So there's uh, the first point that it gets into is Moses. He fasted for 40 days on Mount Sinai. He, he did um, the absolute fast for 40 days, no food, no water, went up there with nothing, just him and, him and God just talking. And time flew because, um, yes, he was just in the presence of God. It didn't even phase him. So he did an absolute fast. David, he did several fasts. And in the notes, it gives... Um, different passages of scriptures where you'll see where David, he fasted, uh, and it says to humble his soul through fasting. So Moses fasted, being in the presence of God. David fasted to humble his soul. And Elijah, he fasted for 40 days. Same thing as Moses. <coughs> Excuse me. He was in the presence of God. And um, the the fourth person I'm using, which is number 10 on the notes, is Jesus. He fasted for 40 days. <clears throat> then he overcame Satan by the power of the word. So that's something awesome is when we get into a fast, it, like it said earlier in the notes, it gives us power to obtain the victory and deliverance. <clears throat> so that is an example that we have through Jesus he, um, by fasting, doing an absolute fast. And uh, um, point 11 of the example of fasting is Cornelius. Uh, fast, he fasted uh, for 40 days after Peter. Um, no, sorry, I'm excuse me. Sorry, he fasted for four days. Um, and afterwards, Peter um, came to Cornelius' house and then Cornelius and his whole household, they received the Holy Spirit. So there, there's another example of fasting. And then um, example number 12 is the church at Antioch. They fasted and prayed when they, um, they fasted and prayed when sending uh, Paul and Barnabas as missionaries. So that was something they asked um, God, is this something we should do? Is this... Because the, the church in the beginning, they didn't want to do things off of their own understanding, their own uh, wisdom or opinion. So they fasted and they prayed, um, waiting on the Holy Spirit to confirm whether this is the will of God or not. And then the last one is Paul. He fasted for three days at his um, conversion. So before 
um, someone came to to um, pray for Paul to remove the scale, to to open up his eyesight. He prayed. The Bible says in Acts chapter nine, verse nine, he um, prayed for three days. So he had no food, no water. He was just him and God praying for three days. And then uh, you'll see in other scriptures that he often fasted. He stated that. So this is not in the notes, but this was just something I grabbed and I just thought was necessary to add in my own personal notes. Uh, these examples show us several things. Something that stood out to me was when we fast, uh, we, must, um, we must humble our souls. So as I, I use David as one of the several examples because um, that's something David did a lot. Although he was a sinful man just like us, and that's why we can relate to him so well because um, he he had a heart for God, but he also allowed his flesh to take over at, at many times. Um, but David, something David knew how to do was humble his soul, is how to humble himself before God and how to repent. So that's something that we must do is through fasting, there will be times where we need to repent for things. But every time we step into fasting, like I said in the beginning, it's subtracting ourselves. So we need to fast to humble ourselves because there's times where our own understanding, our own strength, wisdom, um, our own vision, direction, whatever it is, will we'll get in the way and we will become the center of it rather than God being the center of it. And the other thing that I pulled was, when we fast, we receive power, and we saw that through Jesus, is when he fasted, um, the, the, the word of God was able to help him to fight off. Um, a lot of us, I know everyone in this room has some kind of scripture in mind, but there are times where there are certain situations where we allow our sin to kick in. We allow our flesh to, to take over and commit the sin. And that's something that Jesus showed us the example he had the word hidden in his heart but because through fasting it gave him the power to to execute the word to live out the word to use it as a weapon rather than just a mental library sitting in there and the other thing is through fasting we receive um, answers Cornelius he fasted for four days and through that he was praying and asking God um, for he was praying and asking God and <clears throat> the answer was given to him through Peter and the Holy Spirit was uh, given to him, his household, everybody there. And he received the Holy Ghost. He, sp he spoke in other tongues as they, they did in the upper room. And the last one is direction. When we pray and we fast, um, the Holy Spirit, God will give us direction on where to go, what to say and what to do. So those are the three. Those are the uh, four things I just wanted to point out. Aside um, that that I grabbed from these uh, seven examples that I, I stated, um, we humble ourselves, receive power, receive answers, and receive direction. <clears throat> and w going into fasting, something to keep in mind is there's uh, do's and don'ts. So when we do fast, and this is in uh, page one or two of our notes or sorry, 103 of the notes. Um, I'm just paraphrasing it just because it was like um, kind of like King James version explanation. So to simplify it, I'm doing like a message uh, example. So point one of uh, the, the don'ts of what we should not do when we fast is find pleasure and work. So when we do fast, we need to uh, reject certain pleasures, whether it's 
um, going to certain places as um, this is how I wind down, this is how I relax, or certain pleasures of whatever you may find of re- reading a book. Some people have that as a, a passion. They just enjoy reading because it relaxes them or something. Or I can't think of too many examples, but just whatever you find pleasure in, when we fast, we don't go seek those things out. We don't seek them out because those times that we spent in those things that are pleasures to us, we need to replace it with prayer and scripture reading because those are the times that where uh, when we are fasting, we need to um, put things into our spirit because we can't just be sitting there starving ourselves because all we're going to thinking about is the food that we're not eating. Man, that food is so good. I can just smell it. I can taste it. My taste buds are already tasting it. My mouth is watering. <clears throat> and that's all we're going to be thinking about. So when we, when we get into fasting, we need to replace those moments of pleasure and, and use it for moments of prayer. So we can hear what God is trying to say through our fast, during our fast, and uh, use the scriptures as um, um, weapons in our arsenal the way Jesus did, and work as well. Um, if, if um, <clears throat> what is it? So it says we should abstain from pleasures and as much business. So if, if, if we're scheduled for work for 40 hours... Let's work those 40 hours. If you're intentionally putting in another 10, 15, 20 extra hours into your work week, that's, that's, now that's a no-no because you're able to work those scheduled hours and those extra 10, 15, 20 hours you put in at work, those are hours that you could be putting into prayer and fasting. Spending time with God and, and just growing your spirit. And then the other thing is um, self-glorification. Um, is how I pra- uh, paraphrased it. <clears throat> That's point number two and point number six. So a lot of times uh, when we fat or when um, when we fast, we should not use it to to show off how awesome we are, like the Pharisees did. Um, this is like we read in the beginning um, the, of the passage of scripture in Matthew. He says to comb our hair, wash our face. Uh, look normal, look presentable, um, don't make yourself miserable, don't look like your life is over, you are suffering, um, because all you're doing is glorifying of how awesome you are, how good you are with God, which God does not honor that. And the third point is uh, continue in your ways, um, like Jesus said in, that, in the opening scripture, continue in your daily routine, don't, don't pull away from certain things that are not necessary. Uh, we must um, continue. If um, where is it? We must. Yeah, we must destroy completely. Put to an end our sin. So yes. Yeah, so, so we we can't. Sorry, I'm reading. I was reading that wrong. My bad. So point number three, when it says continue in our ways, we need to stop cut ties of our sins. So when we're going into a fast, we can't go in and say God. I'm fasting about this reason, and then we go out of a fast, and and we continue in that way. It's just like, um, and I believe it's in First Peter, Second Peter, where he's saying it's like a pig being cleaned and going back into the mud. You go into a fast, and and you're you're praying or you're fasting, praying and fasting about something you're trying to remove, and then you're like, "Thank you, God. I feel like I received power," and you intentionally going back into the sin. For ways the, the the patterns that you were um, 
that you were doing. So that's something we don't do is we do when we fast, we got to cut ties. We got to cut the sin in our life and not continue. And then the fourth point um, that I combine, which is point number four and point number five, um, it is I call it the, the poor me. So um, like Jesus said, don't look like you're sad. Don't draw sympathy. Uh, don't look uh, distorted. Don't have like our, our facial just features. Don't make it you look like you're suffering. Um, to show others that we're fasting, um, it just, God does not honor that type of fasting. So in page 104 of the notes, um, the things that it says that we should do, the do's, are to release it. Like I said in the other, um, in the don'ts. So we need to release it when we come into fasting. We need to come intentionally um, to, to remove all the things that are um, keeping us away from God. Uh, we must disengage ourselves from anything that um, that we are doing. And then uh, point number two, it says we need to let uh, let go of burdens. So all things that are holding us down, causing us to um, uh, spiritually uh, be crippled or have a hard time walking. When we go into fast, we need to release those things because Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden burden, because I will give you rest and my, my yoke is easy. It's light. So when we come and we fast, we're coming before Jesus. We need to let it go. We need to leave it there. And like pastor was saying, there's times with the, in the backpack example, that was awesome. And we'll come in, we'll be carrying our backpacks, we'll leave it, at, we'll put it at the altar. And there's times where some of us will put those backpacks back on after crying, sobbing, and just weeping before God is saying, I'm tired of carrying this, I'm tired of carrying this. And then, uh, and then God says, I'll give you rest, I'll give you peace, just let it go. And you say, okay, okay. And then you go pick it up and you go walk away. We need to let it go. We need to let go of all burdens that are hindering our spiritual walk. And then the third point is forgiveness. Um, we, we need to forgive all those that offend us, that hurt us, um, just as God has forgiven us. It's, it's, it's the right thing to do when we go into to fasting. We need to ask for forgiveness and live out the forgiveness. It's, we, we can't just speak it, but we need to live it. And the other thing is to break every yoke. Uh, we need to, like I said, lay aside every weight that so easily besets us and, um, and that, causes us to fall into sin. We need to break those yoke of spiritual sins. And then when we get into getting into page 105 of the notes, um, here's some of the, the promises and the conditions that uh, God gives us. Um, so we're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 8 through 12. So Isaiah 58. <clears throat> Verses 8 through 12, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. <clears throat> it says, Then your salvation will, will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, Yes, I am here. He will click, quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke and oppressions. Stop pointing your fingers and spreading uh, vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you 
will be as bright as noon. <clears throat> the Lord will, <coughs> excuse me, verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually, give you water when you are dry, and restore your strength. You will be like you will be like a well water a well watered garden like a, an ever flowing spring in verse 12 some of you will rebuild some of you will rebuild the desert ruins of your cities then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes <clears throat> So those are the the um, promises and the conditions that God put on us um, that come when we when we pray and fast. So just quickly, and again, I paraphrase some of these just to make it simple. So the promises that uh, God gave us in verse eight is salvation. Um, verse nine, verse eight as well. It's um, wounds will be healed, and then uh, verse eight as well. A godliness will lead us, and then verse eight. Uh, glory will protect us, the glory of God. And then verse 9 um, is point uh, 5 and 6, um, God will answer. And then uh, points 8 and 9 um, comes from verse 10, which is a light will cover darkness. And then point number 9, which is in verse 11, um, God, guiding, uh, God guides continually. And then point number 10, 12, and 13 uh, comes from verse 11, which is satisfy soul in droughts. And then um, point number 11 comes from verse 11, which is restore strength. And then point uh, 14, 15, and 16 comes from verse 11 as well, which is um, rebuild us, and we will be known as rebuilders. <clears throat> And then the conditions that he gives us, all those promises will be given to you if <clears throat> you, you, in your prayer and your fasting, your, as your, and through your Christian walk, picking up your cross daily, it, you have to do this, which is remove the yoke, which is found in verse 9, and then uh, stop blaming others, stop spreading rumors, which is in verse 9, oh, sorry, uh, stop blaming others, verse 9. Stop spreading rumors in verse 9. And then the fourth point is feed the hungry, in verse 10. And then uh, point number five is um, help others, which is in verse 10. So these are the promises and the conditions that God has put on us. Um, we will be given those promises as long as we meet those prerequisites. And then in page 106 of the notes, um, the dis we're going to be getting into the discipline of fasting. Uh, there is a close um, um, correlation between eating, especially excessively eating, um, and our desires for material things. In an in an extent extended fast of three days or more, there is a, a tremendous alteration of our thinking, physical desires, and um, ambition to acquire material possession. Upon returning to a normal diet, all those form of desires come rushing upon us. Our, uh, our natural appetite and spiritual desires run, uh, run counter to <clears throat> each other. In fact... No, this fact alone should drive us to fast. Uh, we can develop discipline of life and uh, 
We can develop discipline of life if we regularly, uh, regularly uh, uh, fast. Sorry, yes, if we regularly fast. So this is something I can attest to. Like I just, I, I wanted to to try seeing how how long I could fast for uh, personal reasons. I, I just went as long as my health allowed me to. I was I went up to four days, and exactly what the note said, there was a a huge change and um in my thinking I, I started to think differently after i think it was like the second going into the third day i stopped thinking about the hunger pains i stopped thinking about that and i started thinking about the word that i was reading because during my lunch breaks i would take my bible and i would instead of eating i would uh, set myself aside and i would be reading the word wherever god guided me to read and and after going into the third day my my i started to think about what i was reading and then my physical desires i didn't desire the things that i used to anymore and then um i just wanted to to fulfill god's will the things that i was reading i just i was on fire for it and then when i stepped out of the the four days of fasting exactly what it said those things came back and then that's when um just like jesus had it experience and gave us the example um he used the word to reject those things that were coming back our old man um and then um last two points i'm going to get into that are in the notes so something is a marital fasting um so same as prayer we need to um, pray individually for our lives. We need to pray for ourselves, and then we also need to pray as a married couple because we are one flesh, we are one body, like the Bible says. We need to practice prayer together. The Bible lets us know that. And it's the same thing with fasting. We need to fast individually, and we need to fast corporately as a married couple because um, a healthy marriage is built upon prayer and fasting um, it is a, a healthy, strong marriage is, is only comes through that. And uh, we needed to do the same with fasting. So we need to fast um, personally and we need to fast um, together. So individually and together. And uh, an example of that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. You can read it on your own personal time. Um, but in, I believe it's verse 5, yes, it, it says um, to... to Keep it, let me see. I don't want to butcher it, so I'm just going to go and read verse 5. So it's 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Um, so it says, Do not deprive each other unless both agree to refrain from intimacy for a limited time. So when you when you pray and you fast, as long as it's a limited time and you're using that intimacy time for a dedicated prayer and dedicated fasting, but then you need to come back together as a couple. But it's just letting us know that it's okay to to abstain from from intimacy, but as long as we're doing it in the name of God, as long as we're 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 using that time to um, build our spirit up. So that's something that the lesson gets into is marital fasting. We need to practice that as a married couple is practicing fasting. Um, and then the last point as I come to a close is breaking a fast. So it gets into um, 
It says, most experts in fasting recommend that people should take the same number of days that they have uh, fasted to return to a normal diet. After fasting three days, um, we take three days to return to eating. Fasting should be broken in light food, juices, and fruit. And that's something I personally experienced. Uh, after the four days of fasting, um, my, the roof of my mouth was very, very tender, almost like a baby. I made a mistake of, what did I eat? I think, I don't, I don't remember exactly what I ate, but it was something very solid, and it hurt really, really bad. It was a solid food, and I just, I had to spit it out, and I had to stop eating it. And I had to, ended up making, making soup, because my mouth, it, I, I've seen articles on this, where when you go without so long, of, I think it's like 21 days without eating your your food be, i mean your mouth your taste buds the roof of your mouth everything it becomes like a newborn baby you you begin to develop new taste buds um and your your whole mouth is just very tender so that's why it's saying is if you took uh i took four days i should have taken four days to to um, ease into food so if you're going to take two days of fasting of no food take two days getting um back into normal food start off soft with juices work your way into some soft foods uh, little things and then work your way back into your normal diet but um i'm just speaking from my personal experience and then uh, like it says in the notes just breaking fast be very careful with that and then another thing too is when you do break your fast be careful of what kind of foods you're putting in because you'll throw your body into shock your your um your intestines are becoming like a newborn as well because there's no food in it you're you're cleansed out and when you just throw all kinds of crazy food say you're a drive-through person and after eating nothing your body is cleansed and now you're throwing drive-through food back in you will physically get sick you will begin to vomit you'll you'll make yourself sick in other ways um and i've heard this as well so be careful i I, some of you that may not be fruits and salad kind of person vegetable it's it's necessary to do that when you're breaking from a long period of fast um so that's it as far as the notes um i really really hope this helped you all um i know personally it helped me It, it did open my eyes to a lot of things um and this is just something we need to do um pastor has put a vision in the church where we're um every other week we're going to be doing a pancake um free pancake breakfast and as we're doing this we need to equip our spirit we need to let things go because when when we hold on to certain things on our spirit when we go and speak to people when we begin to lay hands that is a very very intimate thing when you're going to pray for people intimate that's an intimate thing when you do that you are transferring those spirits so whether it be a good spirit or bad spirit and an example is that with jesus when he uh, was walking there was a crowd of people touching him and the the women with the issue of blood it said power was uh, released from him he said i felt healing power come out of me people were touching him but she had a desire so bad that that healing power was pulled from christ so when people are here at this pancake breakfast they're talking about their problems they're talking about their issue and they just begin to break and be vulnerable with you you better hope and pray to god that you have that healing power that peace that they need this the praying and fasting is not for ourselves it's for to glorify god the deposit of the spirit so we can bring people into his kingdom. We can, we can get the lost, the, 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 the hopeless, and give them hope. So once you touch them on the shoulder and say, brother, sister, 
I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. And when you touch them, they just feel something in their spirit. There's, there's testimonies out there of people experiencing that just by a touch. They feel the peace being drawn from the individual and into the person that needed it. So um, I'm just so grateful that uh, God allowed pastor to, to have us teach this lesson because this is a necessity for us individually and for us as a church, for the people, for the community. Um, and I pray that you take this, you practice it, not only for the people, but it's a command, just like prayer is a command.